0: This is Ashley Hodge with the Sikkim 365 podcast, joined by Kendall Kalp. Wingspan Wednesday. We're going to have an article out tomorrow. The podcast will accompany it. Uh, Kendall, how are you doing?
1: Uh, Doing well, Ashley. Excited for a different sports schedule to come out. Uh, That should be good. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Uh, Football season's not going well. Um, What was your take on that uh, debacle Saturday night? Didn't you think the Baylor would come out with a lot more energy emotion grit it was it was a pretty disappointing outcome i would say
1: absolutely i thought all those things would happen and i just it's really hard to for me have any kind of positive feelings around it. and that's the problem that no matter you know you can kind of look at what people say and th- there's a concept called nut picking where you find like the person with the craziest take on the other side and act like they're at the stand-in for it <laughs> and i try to avoid doing that wherever i find myself on a side um but it just, it, it's really hard to feel any momentum or any kind of positive vibes right now. And vibes aren't everything, but there really aren't a lot of good vibes right now is so my take, Ashley.
0: Yeah, no, I have to agree with you. I I think that um, I was hopeful, and I still am hopeful, that this season can be salvaged and Dave can get it headed in a, in a good direction. But, I mean, it's in a precarious position. I think that uh, it's not I, – I don't think he'll get fired midseason. Absolutely not. Um, But I do think it's possible that, you know, if if it's not heading in a better direction by the end of the year and if players, you know, start wanting to hit the transfer portal in the offseason, then I could see how the wheels would come off and they have to make a change. Uh, But I'm hopeful that he he can get it right. He's such a quality man. So I know it's probably, you know, the odds are getting lower with every loss. So hopefully they – get it done against UCF and, and start giving us some uh, positive things to, to talk about on the football program. But we do have a very positive program to talk about. And the schedule came out today, the uh, Baylor basketball team. Uh, what a schedule this is. It's, uh, you know, we knew the big 12 schedule would be tough and, and it certainly lines up to, you know, uh, you know, be exactly what we knew it would be because we knew the games beforehand, uh, but we didn't know the order of the game. So we want to talk about that. And then we can just kind of touch on some of the, the uh, marquee, Non-conference matchups as well. Uh, The Foster Pavilion will be open January 2nd. They'll open that game against Cornell, which I think is a pretty uh, sneaky, tough opponent. Did you watch any Cornell last year by chance?
1: You know, actually, I have to say I have not watched a lot of Ivy League basketball, but I'm eager to hear your takes on the finest that the Ivy League can offer.
0: Oh, Well, I didn't watch Cordell either, but I but I did look at their advanced <laughs> metrics, and I will say that it is a, a game that kind of concerns me because they they did play Princeton tough. I think they had another a game against a, a high quality opponent. I have to go go look at Ken Palm, but I and and then they you know took him to the wire. And they get everybody back. So, I mean, it's it's an experienced team. And and when you have experienced teams in the Ivy League, <laughs> that's always a concern, as we've seen before. Uh, Yale comes to mind in the NCAA tournament as an example of that. And then you just take their best players the next year.
1: Baylor legend, Mekhi-Mason.
0: <laughs> All right, let's talk about uh, – let's open up with um, just the games that you're going to go to. I, I'm, I'm curious, you know, as you look at this non-conference uh, schedule, where do you absolutely have to be uh, to to see you know some of these matchups? I'm I'm curious what what uh, games you plan on going to.
1: Oh, geez. Ashley, are you really trying to lock me in now? There's a good <laughs> chance I'm at. We make our return to Auburn to see Baylor play. Uh, to to see Baylor play Auburn. We we I'll, I'll, I, at the risk of getting the nastiest mail I've ever received in my life, I'm not going to say anything about the side of that game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, the actual venue is pretty cool. I mean, I think we both agree uh, with that, don't we? I mean, that's uh, an intimate, oh. great atmosphere for college basketball.
1: In the year 2080, when you can teleport, I think it's the perfect place to play basketball, actually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you have to drive your car and, and actually get there is is what you're saying. Um,
1: yeah, the uh, you know, the, uh, the Applebee's uh, was one option. I, we, I guess we went to, you know, a local bar place, um, last time, uh, I just, I, I really don't want to get canceled by South Dakota folks, but
0: you, you, I, had, I've, well, you had a bad experience. Like your, your hotel, I remember you telling me there was like standing water in the shower. Like it, you, I mean, you had a lot of things go wrong. Didn't you have trouble checking in? I mean, it was, it was yeah, like, I, a, I couldn't check. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I couldn't check in for three hours, actually. Um, you know, standing water in the hotel room. Uh, it was so icy there. It was really windy. I remember just walking around the mall for a while uh but i couldn't check into my hotel room and being like you know i could just go to any suburb in america and be miserable doing this or i could you know find some i don't it's just south dakota is not for me but i think good chance i will be in south dakota um but we will see i i promised my i know actually you've said you promised yourself you'd never share a hotel room again um (laughs) it's one of your maxims you live by never going back to south dakota was one for me but here i am despite me pleading with multiple members of the staff to please listen to me and not listen to NIL opportunities and don't go to South Dakota. They've chosen to take the health of the program over me being upset for one night.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's I uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm more fond of South Dakota than you, but, but I, I got to see the uh, Christmas lights with Donald Wright the night before we went to a nice steak dinner. Uh, we met you at that uh, place that we, uh, I think Sean Yurick and Donald Wright and I, we, we had some, um, uh, you know pretty decent lunch but that wasn't really the highlight that wasn't a real good place that we we ate lunch at and then uh, then we watched them um, you know most of the Kansas State um, beating TCU in the conference championship game so all those and then of course we watched uh, Baylor come back and beat Gonzaga in, in the actual arena so those are good memories for for me and and so for, th- for that reason I have uh, pretty fond thoughts about South Dakota.
1: And you got Mark Few to be your friend after you uh, yeah. talked to him on the way out. So oh my too, gosh,
0: I, I feel so bad about that. I don't know if I've told that on the podcast, but um, so I'm I'm coming out of the venue and I see a, a, a GA, you know, uh, for Baylor. I can't even remember which one, and I just said, "Oh my gosh, that was crazy." We're we're down nine with like a minute thirty left, and we end up winning that game. That's insane. And then I turn, and right next to me is Mark Few walking out. This is how intimate this venue is. You're you're walking out with the coach, you know, because there's only like a couple thousand people there, and there's a good chance you might do that. Um, but uh, you know, as we're walking out, he just shakes his head, and I knew he was probably thinking that jerk. Like you know, he said that on purpose. But I and you know, certainly before a game and during a game, I you know I might you know try to heckle a little bit. But but after a game's over, I always try to be like, hey, that's it. You know, congratulate you know a team on a a tough loss or a good win, you don't like, you know, rub, you know, pour salt in the wound. I would, I would never do that on purpose. So I felt pretty bad, but uh, you know, Mark, had the last laugh, they went further in the tournament than Baylor did beating TCU, by the way, that was, that was a good win for them.
1: Oh heck. Yeah. That was a good game. So it's like, that's one that uh, is a possibility. I don't know. Um, Cause the uh, it's pre is the preseason in it is the, the two games. In New York, correct?
0: Yeah, Oregon State and uh, probably Florida, if we, if Baylor wins and Florida wins. Uh, Pitt is is the other possibility. Uh, so, I mean, I think you want to play Florida just from a strength uh, perspective. And that's, I think, who the organizers of the tournament are trying to line up for the championship game. Uh, but, yeah, uh, that would be the uh, route. Or- Oregon State's, at least preseason, they, they don't look, you know, that great. But they did go to the Elite Eight a couple years ago, so – uh, you know they're, they're probably a team that's you don't want to dismiss. I mean they they got power five athletes and uh, but you know that's a game that Baylor should win. And then we got Seton Hall in Waco. That's going to be exciting. Uh, Seton Hall's got a pretty decent roster. I, th- I think they're going to be uh, you know uh, you know Holloways. You know it's it's a second year, right? St. Peter's was two years ago, and then last year was his first year at uh, yep. Seton Hall. And so you know he's a, a fiery coach obviously uh you know has you know, that's the area he's been recruiting in and you know he's he's got he's put together a pretty good roster so that's going to be an interesting game in Waco and uh the last probably marquee game in the Farrell Center uh Mississippi Valley State I think is the last one. And then you got the uh, two big games. I'm going to go to both of these, Michigan State and Duke. Are you, are you going to go to either one of
1: those? Uh possibly the sparty game i might make it to uh in ah, detroit nice um uh, and then it would be fun to see baylor duke again since of the robbery that happened 13 years ago right um yeah i don't know i don't know how tweedy would feel if i hit him up and was like tweedy i want to do a story about that game and the block charge uh leading up to it but i, I, think, I, think, I'll it. Yeah. Yeah, I think i'll get Tweety on the phone yeah i think i get get on the phone and talk about that because that would be a good story um and john warner's retired now so it's like yeah I kind of <laughs> i feel like it's up to yeah i feel like it's up to you or me to
0: do these kind of stories yeah yep yeah no and and uh we have some documentary footage that uh could go go along with that too you know we probably could get that that out of the archives and and uh have you know the footage of him actually telling the story on camera uh to be a companion piece with your story so that would be kind of a cool idea
1: just yeah i I, I like that a lot and yeah, Tweety's always been great when i've um talked to him or needed something but i didn't know if it'd be too if he's thinking oh man why we schedule this game 13 14 years i guess yeah, 13 and a half years later, we got old. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I think there's a good chance we'll be at that one, but you'll be at both, Ashley?
0: Yes. I've I, I booked my flights, and so I'm going to go to um, Michigan, uh Detroit, and then I'm going straight to New York. Uh, well, I'm, that's up in the air. I, I don't know if I'm going to go straight to New York or if I'm going to go see family first, but uh, I will be on the East Coast, and then I'll be flying home Thursday after the uh, Duke game. So I will be at the game, God willing
1: that'll be very cool and it's like obviously much more excited for those games than the uh UMKC game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we pretty much knew that we we knew the good games, you know, before the schedule got released. Now Cornell is a sneaky game. Uh that's that's one that uh concerns me, but you know, we've we've discussed that. And then and then we open up with Oklahoma State as far as actual conference play. Cornell was going to be the first one in Foster. And then uh, BYU is our home opener in Foster. That's uh, a good way to, uh, you know, Chris and Foster in the Big 12. And then you got Cincinnati. You go to Kansas State. Uh, boy, I've got that game circled. I kind of want to be at that one because I, I want to see uh, Baylor get their – get back against Kansas State. I think they have a better roster. That's put tough place to get a win, though. We know that.
1: It is, actually. I think – Those first four, as you mentioned, with K-State, I think it's game four in the Big 12 schedule. You really want to be three and one after those four with, obviously traveling to Stillwater is not easy, but BYU-Cincinnati at K-State, you really need to be three and one, I think, coming out of that if you want to contend for the Big 12 title. Baylor losing both games to K-State last year, I'm sure, leaves a sour taste. Scott Drew being 0-2 against Jerome Tang in his first two matchups, and I think Baylor does clearly, in my mind, have the better roster this season. I don't think the Marquise Noel jump's going to happen for anybody big transfers again for Jerome Tang this season, but I don't think there's anyone like Keontae Johnson as well uh, to come in. So even with improvements they might have from some of the guys that remained last season, I don't see K-State having a roster that contends with the top four in the Big 12, but, you know, Jerome Tang had the guys picked ninth or tenth by most people last year and overachieved, so maybe he can do it again.
0: Yeah, I I would agree with those sentiments. I do think that, um, you know, the Texas game is next, so – I mean, it'd be great to get a win at Kansas State and Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State's in trouble. I I, I don't like, you know, the direction that program's going. I I think uh, obviously Boynton's probably going to be on the hot seat if he doesn't make the tournament this year. They seem like their their talents uh, taking a dip. Um, they're not getting difference makers. Uh, so I, I I would think that's going to be a game that you want to win and uh, you know get get you know get started out of the gate with a road win. Uh, but if you if you beat Kansas State and you go to Texas at four uh, and obviously Texas is hyped up. Kind of feel like Texas is almost like a um, team like we had last year, where they have short guards. Uh, their front court may be a little better than what we put out there, and I think our back court was better last year. But uh, I, I do expect um, we might be able to sweep them this year. I think uh, you know this team is is um, you know. A lot more tough-minded and longer wingspans, and and uh, you know I think Texas is going to struggle with that. Uh, we might beat their Iowa State, you know, this year as as far as a matchup is concerned with with their lack of height in in the backcourt. Um, and then uh, you know if you can beat them twice, then that's uh, fifteen out of the last seventeen. That would be a nice little present to send them onto the SEC.
1: Absolutely would be in terms of Texas. Tyrese Hunter, I thought underachieved last season. Yeah, compared to expectations, he's maybe a guy who could improve. But Serge Rice, I thought was one of the most underrated players in the country. Uh Jay Baylor and everybody fits with those pump fakes. Losing him, I think, is underrated in terms of how it will impact Texas. But there might be uh addition by subtraction, as they like to say, by losing the uh not so talented and clearly, clearly uh very troubled off the court Arturio Morris. Yes. So we'll see what they can do in year two in Austin. But yeah, I don't think they're as talented as they were last year, but I think they are maybe a lot more ethical this year uh, than they were last year.
0: (laughs) Do you think Kansas is going to find a way to, you know, get him, get him eligible? Or do you think they're, that's just too big of a risk even for Teflon bill?
1: You know, it would, I don't know anything about that. And, you know, I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't have any connections or anything to that situation, but it seems unlikely to me that you could play a guy after he already had what he had down in Texas with the domestic violence allegation. And then the potential report based on the Kansas city star story that he might be being investigated for rape. Um, It would seem very, very difficult to have him touch the court. And it's also just kind of strange because he was looking at probably being their sixth man on their roster. It's not like it was Hunter Dickinson either. Obviously those things shouldn't frame it. But I mean, Arturio Morris is it's kind of just shocking when you're like, how is Arturio Morris, the guy who is getting second chances at, major, major college basketball programs with the off the court stuff he's had.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And especially at a place like Kansas, I mean, you know, if it's a Western Kentucky or a place like that, it's, it's more expected, but uh, you know, for, for Bill self to roll the dice and, and have that backfire on him is, is kind of uh, surprising unless you read the case against Bill self, which I've put on Sikkim 365, then it's not so surprising. <laughs> I've documented a long history of this kind of a uh, behavior from uh, bill self, but, uh, that's why he has five level one accusations against him. Uh, TCU. So TCU is a team that uh, a lot of the um, advanced metrics love. And, you know, they're going to have a good front court kind of up in the air in the backcourt a little bit. You know, they've got, uh, oh, man, the guy that uh, Jameer Nelson's son, I think, is one of their guards. And, you know, I should have done a little bit more roster evaluation, but I, I'm just going off the top of my head. Uh, you know, that's a, the first game's in Waco. We lost to him in Waco last year. Uh, so I'm expecting that, you know, Baylor's going to take care of business and foster. Do you, do you think you think Baylor's going to go 9-0 and and foster? Do you think that's going to uh, be such a home court lift that, uh, you know, those fans right on top of the action, that, that it's going to be worth maybe five to seven points a game?
1: Uh, it looks like it's going to be a great venue, Ashley. I'm not going to predict 9-0. and uh, My kind of fear there would be if Baylor's three-point shooting, I think could really have an off night against a good team. Uh, so if I had to guess right now, I would guess seven and two at Foster. Oh, cool.
0: I'm going nine zero. All right, UCF. Okay, I it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think uh, five and four on the road, nine to zero at home, just like uh, the Kansas recipe every year. That's that's what I'm hoping for, and and I think it's doable. I mean, I think this team has this, the team to do it. I'm not I'm not you know just throwing out things that are not you know. Conceivable, but but you know eight and one maybe at home and and uh, five and four on the road. Obviously thirteen and five would be amazing, uh, but it's somewhere somewhere in that range I think is what they're they're capable of. Uh, at UCF, I mean that's expected to be one the worst team in the Big Twelve, uh, but road games are always dicey as we know. And then you got the uh, the clowns at home. Uh, we don't we don't go to Ames. <laughs> You're disappointed about that because that's one of your favorite cities in America. <laughs> uh, but uh, Sioux Falls will make up for that. But um, what do what do you you know what are you saying about just not being able to go to Ames this year?
1: You know, a big loss for America. I know we almost <laughs> had that, or we had that opportunity to nearly die in an ice storm in Ames yes. and crash a wedding. Once upon a time, Ashley, uh, like <laughs> got to do color commentary on the radio, yes, because uh, John Morris is the sugar bowl and. David Kay was like, Kendall, you live not that far from Ames. How do you <laughs> like to be our, our color commentator. Right. Um, so, th- but I think Iowa State's probably, to me, the most underrated team in the league. Uh, yeah. Odds is overachieved every season. They bring in some good pieces. Yep. Uh, that would be a scary game for me to just think about. Hey, you don't want to get kind of sniped. Like, I remember that 2012 team lost to K State at home. If you have one of those, what the heck happened or a few years ago when Baylor lost Oklahoma State at home when it was a number one seed in the tournament, Iowa State looms is that. I don't want to call it a trap game, but that, hey, you could mess around and blow a game you shouldn't blow because that's a good team.
0: Now, see, I, I think that they're going to um, beat Iowa State just because we lost three times to them last year. They had our number, so I think that's, there's going to be extra motivation there. The one that worries me is uh, Texas Tech. I, I think, you know, Grant is a tremendous coach. I think he has a pretty pretty decent roster. I mean, you look up and down that roster – uh, you know, bring bringing in Tucson, pop Isaacs. Uh, who's, who's their who do they have in the front court? You remember offhand? I don't have it in front of me right now. Yeah. Actually, so I cannot recall who they're well, I, out there. I think he, I think he has a, you know, a roster that's probably pretty well suited for the way he coaches. And, and, you know, you're going to be in a ugly defensive battle with him. Like he, he is one of the better defense coaches in the country. Uh, so I'm, I'm worried about that Texas tech game. I mean, probably more so in Lubbock than in, than in Waco, uh, but that's that's a team that uh, concerns me. Kansas uh, going to Kansas, we probably always chalked that as a loss. You know, we know that it's eight on five there, and they got a good roster. Uh, you, you think this is the year we get we get them in Kansas again?
1: I think it's just always fair to predict that game will be a loss. And I will just say, if someone were an enterprising journalist, the story about what in the world happened at Tech the last year with Mark Adams is the unwritten story I would love to be able to read someday <laughs> um, or just the story about what in the world was it like to be on a coaching staff with Chris Beard and Mark Adams at the same time. Yeah. Uh, I think it would be very interesting because yeah, you want to talk about turning around in a hurry going from sweet 16 to assistant coaching. I can't even remember where Mark Adams is now, East but Carolina,
0: obviously, I believe.
1: Okay. Yeah. Very fair. Yeah. There are obviously some very legendary rumors out there. I'm not going to verify or send you them, but that's a story. I'd love to read, but Texas tech continuing its, Trajectory of hiring Baylor coaches, obviously with Grant McCasland and former Baylor GA Chris Nottingham now on staff as well.
0: Yeah, and uh, um, and also they they hired a former football coach at Baylor. He wasn't the head coach, but uh, I believe he's one in three like the Bears, so they're having a, a tough season as well. So the Sooners, uh, Porter Moser comes to town, and then you go to West Virginia and BYU. Now, I know that uh, one game you've got circled is Houston, Uh, L.J. Cryer, the return of L.J. Cryer to Waco. And, uh, man, you talk about playing a weak non-conference schedule. Houston's non-conference is something else. Uh, You know, they should – probably not going to be very battle-tested. But they have been running on the track a lot, so that's good. They're going to be well-conditioned, and they're going to need that when they come to Waco on Saturday, February 24th. I think that's going to be a huge game. Then you go to TCU for Big Monday – And then you finish the season uh, at home with back-to-back, you know, really three your three toughest games at home are probably you know the last three. You got Houston Saturday, February twenty fourth. You got Kansas on March second, and you got Texas on uh, March fourth. And then you go to Texas Tech to finish out the season. Kendall, I'll, I'll make a comment about the schedule. I remember the days when I would like look at our conference schedule. And just like cringe at the weeknight games because I knew that the weeknight crowd would be so pitiful. I think those days are gone. I think I think that's the one thing that Foster is going to give us is you know even if we only have like fifty five hundred butts and seats, it's going to look full and it's going to be a great atmosphere. Versus fifty five hundred butts and seats at, at uh, Farrell looks pretty empty and and seems like uh you know very deflating for the team that's coming out of the tunnel. Uh, so I do love, you know, we do have a lot of Saturday games, but in the past I would be like, oh, man, how many Saturday games we have. But we're going to win all those because uh, we have such a good, you know, Saturday crowd. Uh, but the ones that, that worried me were the weeknight games. And, uh, you know, even though it's kind of split uh, there, you do finish up with two pretty big blockbuster games on Saturday, Houston and Kansas. But even the weeknight games don't really worry me and Foster because I do think that's it, we're going it's just going to make such a big difference in the atmosphere.
1: I think it'll make a huge difference atmosphere-wise, and I think Baylor already, with what they've talked about with the courtside seats and trying to make sure people give them back, will ensure there's a lot more folks in the seats, and obviously you don't hope for failure in one program, but I think a little bit less passion around football might excite some people to say, okay, I'm going to come out and support (laughs) basketball again. I was wondering I where you're going to go with that. I don't
0: know if you're going to take some digs at Nikki Collin or, you know, was, no, 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 I'm no, glad no. it was the football I, program. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, you, again, you talk to any of the coaching staff at Baylor, they, they truly do say, Hey, when Baylor football is good, it actually helps us because yes. you get excitement early on when they bring recruits in, it's just better for them. Yes. The campus is livelier. They would say that I want Baylor football to be good too. I didn't yeah. enjoy watching them lose to Texas by 30, but I'm just telling you if, there are some people I know who are going to stop coming to these Saturday games with how bad the product is in the field, have a little extra money in January. They might come down to watch Baylor play some of these non, or some of these conference games. So I do think they're going to be pretty crowded at these games compared to past seasons.
0: Yeah. And, and it may, I mean, one thing that it could really help is the attendance at the games like Auburn and, and the, you know, the Florida uh, or, or Oregon state, you know, potentially Florida or Pitt games, Uh, the, um, you know, certainly the Michigan state, although that's going to be an overwhelmingly, uh, Michigan state crowd in Detroit in their backyard. Uh, but the, you know, the game at Duke will, you know, Duke always does well in New York city, but maybe we'll have more Baylor fans than we, we think, uh, we would normally have because football is not as good and people aren't saving money for bowl, (laughs) you know, preparations and big 12 championships and all that kind of stuff. So I do think I, you know, what you're saying there makes sense to me that, you know, maybe the you know the Baylor consumer will spend some more money uh, traveling to see the team, and, and maybe at these uh, road venues. And and when when the tournament comes around, they'll be more likely to spend money to to go see you know the Bears and follow the journey.
1: I agree. Um, for me, actually, when I look at the season, the X factor more than any other is just how good is Eve Missy going to be this season? Yeah. Uh, I know you got to see him in France. I've heard really good things about how he's done on campus, but certainly. You normally make money if you had to bet on freshmen a little underachieving compared to expectations, just generally, I think, where you come down on it. That's the question for me. If Eve Missy can be a legitimate one-and-done late lottery to mid-first-round pick, then I think Baylor really is a contender, can win the Big 12 and compete for a national title. But he's kind of the X factor for me. How good is Eve Missy going to be early on?
0: Yeah, I agree. I think um, he's a key I, I do love the fact that they have a three headed monster at center. You know, John obviously has the experience he's getting healthier every day. I think he's going to have a big year. Um, he's going to be, you know, more of that, you know, rebounding pick setter uh, glue guy. But I, th- but I think he's going to give you, you know, obviously more offense than float Uh But um, then Josh Ojawuna, you know, is uh, looking good and being really pushed by Eve and being pushed by jo- uh, John. So, you know i think that that three-headed monster may take some of the pressure off of eve to really you know have to be relied on which which will help because you know if if he's getting huge minutes early on in the season you know sometimes those guys get scouted really well and then the second time through the big 12 they don't play as well i think we saw that with Keontae george a little bit uh, it's it's just typical for a freshman right and the good thing about our freshman this year is you know jacoby walter I think it's going to be terrific. You know, he may have the best freshman season of any Baylor, uh, you know, player in a really long time. You know, like uh, you go back to Lace Dunn, obviously uh, had a great freshman season and, you know, some of Scott's early recruits. Uh, but because we have a much better program, much better team, uh, Jacoby's not going to have to score as much. Uh, but he's he's just a great all-around player and can be really efficient. Uh, but we have some depth there. Langston Love's been cleared for full you know, contact and, and we'll be practicing full and, you know, full contact and Jaden Nunn's really good. Uh, then you got, you know, Merrill Littles not going to have to be, you know, the, the pressure of the primary ball handler because of Ray J Dennis. And then you got, of course, Jalen Bridges. So I say all that to say that, uh, you know, maybe our freshmen won't be as high usage rate as Keontae George. And and therefore they won't, you know, have some of the inconsistencies that uh, Keontae had near the end of the season uh, after he sprained his ankle.
1: Yeah, you hope for a little bit more consistency from them, but obviously, um, as we both talked about a little bit on the forums, Keontae George coming back to Baylor, I think so huge in the recruitment of Trey Johnson, and that kind of speaks to where Baylor is culturally and where you want from a program that former players really come back or involved and can sell recruiting, whether it's Adam Flagler or Davion Mitchell. Uh, It looked like Yeshua Enright was in the stadium uh, for the previous Baylor football game, so it's just, you know, that culture, I think, really helps. And they always say, you know, you want to be a player led program, that's Arizona's motto for years was a player's program really helps out Baylor when those guys can sell it. And it's not just, you know, Scott Drew and the staff having to make the case for Trey Johnson and these other five-star guys.
0: Yeah, I know Keontae I heard did an amazing job and, and really, you know, made the case. I, I know Jacoby Walter probably echoed all of Keontae's thoughts, but Keontae went through a full season, ends up being a first round pick. Uh, so I think, you know, that's where Trey wants to be. And uh, you know it'll be interesting to see what how, where it comes. I think it's a Texas and Baylor race, and you know I, I think um, if Baylor gets him, it'll probably happen this week. And uh, they got VJ Edgecombe coming in on the visit, and I hear you know Baylor's in great shape with him. Um, you know he's not committed yet. Has you know kind of communicated that if he finds the right place, he will commit. And I know Baylor's one of you know the top four or five schools uh, on his list. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that visit goes. And then, of course, you know Coe Pete's another guy we've talked about on the message boards. I saw he's taking an official visit to Texas, um, and then I think it was Jasper. Uh, is it Jasper Johnson that Baylor's offered in the twenty twenty five class? I'm looked at. Yeah, up I think that's. His, I think that's him. Yeah, um, he. I, I saw he took an official visit to uh, West Virginia. So this is kind of an interesting thing. Like they, you know, these guys that are taking official visits to uh, places a year early that aren't reclassifying. So I, you know, co is actually going to stay in the 2025 class and uh Jasper, you know, is going to be a 2025 kid. So you only get one official visit now. Um, and so, you know, they're using it up, uh, the, you know, the programs that bring them in their junior year, you're using it up pretty early. If, if a guy, unless you just think, Hey, I don't have as much of a chance at this kid. I'm just going to try to get a commitment from them, uh, try to wow them, make them fall in love with the place. And, and then hold on to them. But, uh, it is an interesting strategy. I, th- I think you're going to see more programs like Baylor, uh, get their 2025 kids. You know, they're going to wait on the official visits, have them take official visits next year, which is more logical, you know, closer to when they would be committing. And then of course, uh, you know, the 2024 class is the major focus right now.
1: Yep. And you never LJ Rose yourself. If you do that, <laughs>
0: that's right. Uh, we talked about a couple of LJs today. Um, and, you know, we're playing BYU, so that's that's apt. Uh, we, we talked about Houston. We talked about BYU. We talked about Baylor. Those are the three programs that LJ Rose played in. So that's uh, – <laughs> we've got it. Life has made a full circle here. Yes. Any, any other comments before we go?
1: I think we've offended enough people in South Dakota that any more talk would only be at risk. Yes. Some more hate mail for me.
0: <laughs> well, it is 10 o'clock, and I do need to write the Wingspan Wednesday article for tomorrow morning. Uh, this podcast will be a part of it. Thank you, Kendall, for doing this. Um, everything going good on the relationship front?
1: It is, actually. It is. So, uh, still the same timeline I've told the podcast listeners.
0: <laughs> good. Uh, you're, you're the second most famous, uh, uh, you know, Kansas City-centric couple right now. I, I think uh, Travis Kelsey <laughs> yeah. and Taylor Swift uh, got you beat.
1: I, th- I would I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. You've been listening to a Sikkim 365 podcast with Ashley Hodge and Kendall Cal on Wingspan Wednesday, Sickum Bears.